You're listening to Investigation Insiders by Integris Intelligence. Hello, everyone. Thank you again for joining us. Uh, hope you had a nice Thanksgiving. I, I certainly did. This has been some year, huh? I can't believe it's almost over, but I am um, very glad it is. Uh, looking forward to what 2021 has in store for us. Um, Hopefully you've been enjoying the content that we've been putting out. Um, This has been surprisingly a fun experience for us so far. Thank you to everyone on our team and our guests that have helped put this together. Um, So we're going to do something a little bit different today. We thought we'd take a break from our usual content, especially during the holidays. Um, We thought it would be a welcome change. I guess before we get into it, I want to give you a little bit of background first. From the day that Tony Picciano and I started our first business together in 2006, we were always focused on a few things. First, of course, was building a great company. Second, taking care of the people that work with us. Third, taking care of our families, of course, right? But also, we hope to put ourselves in a position to give back to our community as much as we possibly could. Thankfully, many years later, we are still at it. This year has been particularly difficult for obvious reasons. However, we have not gotten away from our mission, including giving back. One of the organizations that we chose to support in 2020 is the Camaraderie Foundation, a nonprofit that helps veterans dealing with PTSD. As part of our support, we thought it would be a good idea um, to spotlight them on our podcast so that more people can learn about the important work that they're doing. As you all might know, John Burke, um, part of our team, is the chairman of uh, Camaraderie Foundation, but today we are joined by the guy that runs it on a day-to-day basis, the Executive Director, Neftali Rodriguez. How are you, Neff? Uh, great to have you here with us today. Oh, I'm doing fine. I really appreciate you having us on. Uh, this is a great opportunity for us and a great opportunity to talk to the public out there about uh, our veterans and their families. Awesome. Uh, can you, I mean, maybe we could start with a, uh, a little bit of an introduction about you. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, well, my name is Nef- Neftali. Uh, I go by Neff because it's easier to pronounce. Uh, but I'm a retired armor officer. I spent 33 years uh, on active duty and in the uh, National Guard. After I retired, I kind of drifted around trying to figure out what I wanted to do when I grew up. I uh, didn't know exactly what it was. Uh, I went into contracting uh, because I missed my soldiers and working with them. And so I spent the next seven years in Afghanistan uh, building the Afghan National Army uh, from the ground up. Uh, and so I built their schools, built their training facilities. I toured around from core to core in all the uh, parts of the country, building uh, their infantry and then their armor and artillery and each of the components uh, for the branches as they as they grew. Uh, and then, of course, the Taliban put a bounty on my head in uh, 2015, uh, yeah, about 2015, 2016. And uh, so I had to leave the country and uh, come home because they didn't want me to, to be killed on video. It wouldn't have been good for the company. Uh, 
when I got back home, I, I drifted around again, trying to figure out what I wanted to do uh, since I wasn't with my soldiers. And I found Camaraderie Foundation had an opening for an executive director. And uh, I have two sons who followed in my footsteps. Uh, one is currently a major on active duty uh, and he's deployed right now overseas in the Middle East. And then I had another one, the second one, who was an NCO, was hit with two IEDs in Iraq. Uh, it killed three of his soldiers in his vehicle with him, wounded him. They medevaced him to the rear. Uh, when he got back to the rear, he got in another vehicle, went to retrieve his buddies and was hit again. And uh, so it really messed him up that time. And so he was medically retired, sent back to the States and uh, suffered from PTSD. But the VA and uh, the military hospitals put him on medication like they do so many of our soldiers. Sure. And when the soldiers aren't getting relief from that pain and that, that suffering that they're having, both physical and mental, uh, they begin to self-medicate and use alcohol to supplement or other drugs even. And, and that was what he was doing. And so one night I got a call uh, from a SWAT unit outside his home that was going to do a breach uh, because he had barricaded himself inside with the kids uh, with a weapon. And so when I talked to the uh, SWAT commander who happened, fortunately, to be a uh, National Guard lieutenant, he understood. Uh, they talked him out, of course, took him to jail. And uh, I went up, saw the judge. They gave me custody of him and his children uh, to bring into my home. And so I saw firsthand the effects of PTSD on the immediate family and the caregivers for these soldiers uh, and come home. So I noticed P, uh, that uh, Camaraderie Foundation had this executive director. I looked at their website and saw what they did. And there were several things that struck me as unique. Uh, number one, they didn't care about the character of service for the fan, for the soldier. Uh, so if you had a dishonorable discharge, they would serve them. Uh, you know, if, if you go with a dishonorable discharge, the VA can't serve you. Uh, the other thing I noticed was that they served the entire family unit, children, caregivers, everyone, and other facilities can't do that. And the other thing was that it was absolutely free. And so when I saw this position, I, I thought that, you know, I could make a difference in the lives of my soldiers from a different perspective. Rather than commanding, I could now coach and mentor and help save their lives. You know, uh, 22 a day committing suicide is, is a terrible number. I don't want one. Uh, and so I applied for the position. There were, uh, uh, I think, 100 applicants, maybe. Uh, they whittled it down to five. Uh, and I got selected to do it based upon what I wanted to do, the direction I wanted to take the company in. And so we are expanding uh, each year uh, since the two years I've been here. And we are doing better and better every year and serving more and more families and saving more and more lives. That's that's incredible. I, I mean, first of all, again, thank you and your family uh, for the service uh, to the country. Uh, now, um, as you and I know, I've heard parts of this story before. I did not realize that the Taliban had a bounty on your head specifically. So it's it's, it's interesting to hear about that. So thanks, thanks for sharing that. Um, and then sharing the story uh, about your son. Um, it's certainly, 
helps clarify why, uh, further clarify, I should say, why this is such an important mission to you. Um, so can you give us an overview of camaraderie? Uh, what's the mission? What do you, uh, who do you help? How do you uh, go about doing it? Uh, you've already alluded to several of those things, but if we can just specifically talk about that for a little bit, that would be great. Sure, absolutely. Uh, camaraderie Foundation is uh, 11 years old this year. Uh, we're, we're starting on our 11th year. Uh, it was started by Michael and Marty Waldrop. Uh, Michael was a captain in the Army who was wounded uh, in, in combat. And uh, he saw the effects, as I did, of what PTSD was doing to his soldiers. And he suffered PTSD. And uh, he saw you know, the suicides, the, the broken families, the marriages. And he went through all that. And so he wanted to give back to the community. And they founded this organization to do exactly that. And so we treat the mission of Camaraderie Foundation is to treat the invisible wounds of war for post 9-11 veterans and their family members uh, through counseling and, and whatever other services we need to provide. We, uh, we have uh, diff three different pillars. Uh, one is the counseling, which is our major pillar, uh, mental counseling, family counseling, or marriage counseling uh, and for the children. And then the other ones are the transition, which is another uh, impact on soldiers coming home and suicide prevention, uh, the family support groups. So those three pillars are what build the camaraderie foundation. So we've uh, talked a lot about the statistics related to PTSD and super uh, suicide. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? I always find the numbers a little bit jarring. And, you know, they, they really are. And, and what's really sad is that, you know, now that everybody keeps going back and manipulating the data and changing the data. Uh, and, and again, it depends upon what end of the, the spectrum you're on, whether you want it to be less or more or whatever. Uh, you know, and as I said, one is too many. But uh, Right now, uh, you know, they're saying between 20 and 22 commit suicide. Uh, I just saw the statistics coming out from September uh, that due to COVID this year, that there's been a 20% increase in the number of suicides this year over 2019, which is really dramatic. Uh, the other thing is that people don't know, only 28 states actually track whether a person is a veteran on the death certificates. And so you only have 28 states reporting suicide statistics. Uh, so you, you can imagine that those numbers are probably a lot higher than 20 or 22. In fact, Florida was one of the states, the three largest states, Florida, Texas, and California don't report. But Florida now, uh, the governor has signed legislation that mandates that the, the uh, coroners now track and report veterans status on the death certificates. And so uh, starting next year, Florida will be tracking that. Uh, but, you know, again, one suicide is way too many for me. Yeah. Again, I think there's so many gaps with serving, uh, ser uh, providing services to veterans um, and, you know, the tracking, um, you know, because people use statistics and numbers to address where their needs are. And if those, um, 
statistics aren't being kept in so many states. Obviously, I think that's another gap in in helping to provide services uh, to veterans. So I, I appreciate you sharing that. Hopefully, more and more states will move towards uh, keeping uh, those types of statistics so that the appropriate resources can be allocated in the future. Um, so how does someone find CAMP uh, and request help? Can you talk about that a little bit? Uh, well, we uh, we were basically a uh, small organization uh, when I came here, uh, located here in Orlando. Uh, we operate with a staff of eight and we are in currently in 43 states and in three foreign uh, countries overseas, uh, Guam, uh, Panama, and the United Kingdom. So wherever the veteran is located, we can serve them out of Orlando. Uh, we currently have 480 counselors in our database. And so the process uh, goes something like this. A veteran can look online and find us uh, or word of mouth uh, is how a lot of us are getting through the special forces, uh, special operators. Uh, but they find us, put in an application on our website, and then within 24 to 48 hours, we get back in touch with them. And then we do the screening process to find what they really need or what, what, what is their, their need. Uh, once we identify that need, uh, we determine what type of therapy is best for them and we let them choose. We present all the options to them. We let them choose. They select the therapy that's best for them. And then we go into the database and look for a counselor that's within, and we try to stay within 25 to 50 miles of their home uh, to make it easier. Because what we want to do is we want to remove all the barriers to yep. them completing the program. Uh, we have an 89% success rate, and we'll talk about that a little bit later, why I think that we're so high compared to the industry standard of 50%. Uh, but we find that, that counselor that's near them, and we choose two or three, and then again, we let them select the counselor they want. They can go out and, and see them, meet them, interview them, look at them. And once they find one that they can develop a relationship with, then we assign them to that counselor and start the process. Uh, during the process, then we monitor them through a before and after session survey uh, that's developed by the American Psychological Association. And we monitor the progress that they're making. And so if we find that the progress is falling instead of doing better like it should be, uh, we immediately get in touch with the veteran and the counselor to find out what's going on. Uh, could just be a blip. He had a bad day, you know, driving on the interstate and somebody cut him off. Or it could be that he's lost confidence in his counselor or that that bond is no longer there, in which case we'll switch him to another counselor. But the bottom line is saving lives, saving families. We want them to be successful. Well, again, as I, as I listen to you just not only describe that, but some of the things that you mentioned uh, already. I just, uh, again, feel uh, very grateful. Um, and I think we all could uh, feel the same way uh, about the lives that we have and, uh, you know, the relative nature of the problems that we think we have every day versus what some of the folks that you guys help. I think you've already sort of mentioned this already, but I, I just want to, again, highlight what differentiates camaraderie can you can you talk a little bit about that again you mentioned the whole family you mentioned not caring about 
you know, what their uh, discharge was um, as far as deciding whether to help them or not. Can, can you go through again how you think the organization's different? Absolutely. Uh, again, uh, you know, we don't worry about the character of service. If they've served one day, uh, then that's good enough for us. Uh, because a lot of what we're finding out is that a lot of these young men and young women are getting in trouble in the military and they're receiving a dishonorable or a, a bad conduct discharge. And then once they're put out of the service, then we're finding that there was an underlying undiagnosed PTSD issue that caused that behavior, which got them the dishonorable or the bad conduct. And now they can no longer get treatment for that uh, PTSD issue. And so, or the traumatic brain injury. And so there is catch 22, now what do they do? And so that's one thing that makes us different. Uh, we don't care. The other thing is the, the definition of the family. Uh, we let them identify who's their family. We don't look for a marriage license. We don't look for, you know, uh, uh, who they uh, have in the family. If they say this is their family unit, then we take them at that, at that family unit. Uh, we even treat, like I said, the mothers and the fathers, because like I said, with my son in the home, you know, he would uh, lock himself in the garage and barricade himself in there uh, and not come out for days. Uh, that was his little base camp that he built in there. And sometimes when he did come out, you know, he would have mixed alcohol with his drugs as I, uh, with the drugs he was taking, as I indicated earlier. And so he would be in that combative mood. And then in front of his kids or in front of my children, uh, you know, he, his brothers and sisters, he would get that confrontation with me. And so you had this family dynamic of everybody being exposed to the secondary effects of PTSD. And so we treat the entire family unit. Uh, and, and that is amazing because PTSD is not just affect the veteran. It in fact, it, it in fact uh, impacts the entire family. And so we treat them all. Sure. I mean, uh, that, that makes complete sense. I, I think anyone that's dealt with, you know, other psychological family uh, issues in their family um, knows exactly what you're talking about as far as how that uh, impacts the rest of the family. So I think it's incredible that uh, the two things that you pointed out, one that, you know, you don't, you don't um, differentiate between, you know, whether a person has one day of service or 30 plus years like yourself and how they were discharged, they still need the help and you guys are providing it to them. So, uh, really fantastic points. Um, so, you know, our, our show is called Investigation Insiders. And while we're not talking about an investigation or anything security or investigations related, what we'd like to try to do, if it's okay with you, is pull back the curtain and give our audience sort of a behind the scenes look at the topics that we're talking about. In line with that, I guess, can you talk about some of your proudest accomplishments, uh, perhaps a case or a person that you all helped that will really help illustrate how meaningful the work that you do is? Oh, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, you know, and it's, it's so sad that I, I noticed that when I was going through some of these cases and looking back at them, uh, that, you know, there's a, there seems to be a pattern right here. And, and, and one of those patterns is that, you know, they taught us how to go to war. They trained us 
to go to combat. They trained us how to take the hill, how to, how to fight the enemy. We learned how to, to overcome the, the rigors of combat, but nowhere in the system did they train us on how to come home. And so the, the stories after stories of these guys coming or gals coming home and having the awful, trying to figure out how to transition. How do I come home? Do I ever come home? And, and it's just so sad trying to figure that out. Uh, and, and they feel so betrayed. Uh, they, they reach out to their family members and they don't really know how to reach out. Uh, we had a gentleman uh, that recently that he said, you know, I'm reaching out to you. You know, you know, what does the foundation do? What's, what's the basis? You know, I've been trying to find a, a foundation that stands to its word. Uh, you know, there are so many veteran organizations that pop up and say that, oh, we do this and we do that and we'll take care of this, we'll take care of that. And, and, and they don't. Uh, they're, they're actually, you know, cheating the veterans and just trying to get income from them. And, and that's a sad thing, but those people are out there. And, you know, he said, he said, there are many times I've contemplated doing myself in, and he had it highlighted in bold and red because uh, he emailed me. And so that's when I, I started to get worried. And he said, I need help from some foundation. And when I needed somebody, it was gone, including the VA, which they just tried to give me a bag full of medications that ultimately made me gain weight. And he said, I'll send you my DD-214. I'll do whatever it takes. You know, uh, I need help. He said, uh, what can you do for me? Uh, you know, please let me know you got this email. And the sad line that was in there was that I just want to know there's someone listening or even acknowledges my existence. Sure. I mean, and, and so immediately uh, we did two things. I had my account, my case manager, Ruben, uh, get on the phone. We contacted, we tried to contact him and could not reach him by phone uh, or email. And so we contacted the local police department to do a health and welfare check on him. Uh, he immediately got back in touch with me because he was really upset that the police came to his home. Uh, but I spoke with him and calmed him down and, and, and asked him, I said, look, Sergeant, you know, what would you do if one of your soldiers was in this situation? Sure. What would you do? And so he said, well, I guess I would do the same thing. And so we were able to develop that rapport and uh, we immediately got him the help he needed. He's in counseling and doing extremely well. And, and the pattern is just repeated over and over again of, the, of these service members coming home and not knowing how to talk to their family members, not knowing where to get help. 47% mm. uh, of our client base is coming off of active duty. And uh, I will tell you that the active duty says that, you know, they have the ability to care for their own. And that is true. They do have it. Uh, but the soldiers don't trust it uh, because, you know, they don't want to lose their security clearances. They don't want to be pulled off. A lot of them are special operators and don't want to be done. We don't track that information. We uh, are HIPAA compliant. And so we will not report. Uh, who our clients are, and so they have that anonymity. Uh, also, their family members, uh, because if you have a special operator and his wife and children are going for PTSD treatment, well, they got it from somewhere. So immediately, that's going to raise a red flag, and sure. so they won't allow their family members to get treatment. So uh, we remove that stigma or that barrier. 
And so I am proud to do that and, and want to reach out to them as much as we can. And so that's why uh, word of mouth, uh, they tell each other when they come home. And, and I have example after example where a special operator came home, he couldn't uh, handle it. Uh, and his buddies told him, hey man, call Camaraderie Foundation, they'll take care of you. Just getting back to a comment that you made earlier about the success rate, right? You, you mentioned 89%. Can you talk a little bit about what that means so that, you know, our, our listeners could get a better understanding of the results and, uh, you know, what you consider a success rate and, you know, that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, first of all, there's no cure for PTSD. Now, you can't take a pill and get over it, and, and no amount of counseling is going to make you get over it and forget it. Uh, PTSD, the, the results of PTSD is how you react to that trauma that you went through, and you can react in a negative way or you can react in a positive way. And so what we do with the counseling is we want to get the veteran to a place where they can positively deal with their PTSD. They're always going to have it. That trauma is always going to be with them for the rest of their lives. Uh, you can never erase the image of your buddies being killed in a vehicle with you uh, when it explodes. You'll never get over the, that moment, uh, that bright flash when you're inside a vehicle and the heat and the flames. Uh, that's not going to go away. But it's how you choose to react to and what you do with it. And so that is the purpose of our counseling programs. And there are different, many different techniques, many different therapies, and we use all different types uh, because it's not a one size fits all, which is why uh, I think we have such a high success rate uh, because we use evidence-based therapies that the clients can choose from and so we have a medical advisory council that's made up of mental health practitioners and professionals. And so when a therapy comes out, whether it's uh, new or unique, uh, they review it. Uh, they look at the empirical data and then they will say, yes, this is a valid therapy to use. And based upon their vote uh, from the medical advisory council, then we'll adopt that as one of the valid therapies. Uh, so it's not Neff sitting here saying, well, you know, I don't like uh, uh, the use of marijuana, medical marijuana, and so I'm not going to support that. Or I don't like the art therapy where you paint pictures or, you know, uh, so it's not me making the choice. It's a team of professionals who are reviewing the empirical data and saying, yes, this is a valid therapy. Well, thank you for uh, clarifying that. Um, so t tell us what, uh, obviously, 2020 has been interesting for all of us, right? What, what's it been like for uh, camaraderie, I guess, both good and bad? Well, it, it's actually been uh, pretty tough on us because, number one, isolationism is, is the worst thing that these veterans could be going through right now. They're already isolated, and now we've just made it worse. And so you're seeing, uh, you know, the use of drugs and alcohol increasing, the uh, domestic violence is on the increase. Suicide, as I pointed out, has gone up 20% uh, since September. So that's on the increase. And so the demand is, is increasing. Uh, but one of the problems is that how do you get them to a counselor when everybody's shut down and no one can see them? 
And so we've had to get creative and do the telemed model. Uh, some of them are accepting that and they're saying, okay, some of them really don't have confidence in it. And so we're seeing an issue there. I think that once this holiday season uh, goes through and the stress starts building, that January and February are going to be really, really tough times. Uh, and then we're going to see a big increase on the number of veterans applying for assistance. And unfortunately, uh, because of COVID, we've had to cancel all our events this year, which is where we get our funding from. Sure. And so our golf tournament, our gala and everything, uh, we've had to go virtual with some of them. Uh, we pulled in probably 50% of what we thought we were going to make. Uh, for the year, uh, which makes it really, really hard. All nonprofits are suffering, not just ours, uh, but we've gotten creative. And so we've gone to our website and we've asked people uh, to do uh, monthly contributions for like $22 a month uh, in honor of the 22 uh, that commit suicide every month in recognition of them so that we can help our veterans. And that gives us a foundation we can build on. We've done the rucksack race, which uh, your company has been very, very supportive of, along with a couple of others. And uh, it, it turned out really well. Uh, I think that may be the only event this year that's actually going to meet the budget that we had projected for it. Wow. Uh, because we did get, uh, through the use of virtual, uh, a lot of people from all over the country who wanted to run in honor of the soldiers. And so that was... Uh, it's kind of a mixed blessing. You know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit later in the episode about um, donations and how what people can do. But, you know, this has been a tough year for everyone, right? Um, and you, you guys know that better than anyone. Um, so for those that, I guess, want to help but cannot donate money, um, is there anything uh, they can do for the organizations or for these veterans uh, that you want to point out? Absolutely. And, and I'm glad you asked that because I, when I go out and speak, I tell people there's, there's three things that you can do for us. It's time, treasure, and talent. The three T's, you know, and, and if you can, you know, if you can do the treasure and donate, you know, to the funds, we appreciate it. But again, not everybody can do that. But time, we do volunteers uh, for our programs. Of course, right now, it's kind of hard for people to volunteer for events. But you can volunteer to help us in other ways besides just being at an event. Uh, you know, we don't, we, like I said, we only have eight people on staff. So uh, we have one person, Anna, who is our website and she does our databases and we're not database she's an air force captain and so you know we all make do and put on many hats and so if you have a skill uh marketing uh databases website all those things that you could be willing to donate time or effort to help us in and help us tweak and make things better those would be appreciated and so it's not necessarily cash uh it's time I guess I'd want to add a couple of things to that. Um, so there's a lot of noble causes. Um, Camaraderie Foundation is helping veterans. I mean, this is certainly at the top of the list of noble causes. Um, it's important to note, and you alluded to this earlier, um, 
you know, donations and funding has gone down and the need for CAM services have gone up. I, you know, I, I think that's a really important point because Neff sort of alluded to what he thinks is going to happen after the holidays are over. Um, so it's, you know, the need is even greater now than it ever was. Um, so I, I think that's something I'd like to leave our audience with. And then the last thing, uh, again, Neff mentioned it earlier, our colleague Rob Chang is leading the charge on a second fundraising campaign that we have held for CAM this year. He is working his butt off on earning uh, everyone's donations. He actually is partic participating in the rucksack walk. He set a goal of uh, walking 12 miles with 50 pounds on his back in under three hours. Unbelievably, uh, he was able to do that this weekend in two hours and 53 minutes. So fantastic job, Rob, and, and thank you for leading the charge on this. So our goal is essentially to reach a total of $20,000 between the two initiatives that we led the charge on. Um, and we're almost there, just a couple thousand short. So we're gonna post the link to the campaign in the description of the podcast. Please do what you can. Um, and then for those organizations that are maybe looking to make a donation for 2020, please consider CAM. We'll put um, a link to the organization as well on the uh, podcast description. Um, the one thing I could promise you, and I visited um, with NEF, I visited with John at their offices. I saw what they do firsthand. Your money is gonna go to a good place um, and it'll be used for people that have really given everything for our freedom. Um, so, Neff, thank you very, very much for joining us today. Uh, we hope that this helps camaraderie get some more attention and support um, and have a great holiday season. Anything else you want to leave our audience with? Uh, no, I would like to say that, uh, as you pointed out, you know, 84 cents of every dollar goes directly to the veterans. So I do watch that because I do know there are organizations who take advantage. And uh, that's one of the things I will not have happen here. Uh, and so it is near and dear to my heart. Uh, I hope you all have a very Merry Christmas and stay safe. And uh, God bless you and your families. Well, thanks, Neff. And thank you all for joining us again. This will actually be our last episode for this year. We'll be back in early January. Have a great holiday season and a happy, healthy, and prosperous new year. Please continue to send your questions and comments to info at integrisintel.com and have a great holiday season. Don't forget to follow Integris Intelligence on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Twitter.